We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello and welcome to the Esports Biz Show. I'm your host, Justin Jacobson. This week we'll be discussing esports businesses. Just as a disclaimer, nothing here is intended as legal advice. It's all of our information for educational purposes only. This week's guest is Anthony Duranio. Anthony is the co-founder of 1v1Me app. Prior to co-founding 1v1Me app and working at startups like Skillshare and Grailed, Anthony was a competitive gamer. 1v1me is a third-party wagering app that allows gamers to challenge their friends or their favorite creators and wager real money. 1v1me does not take a fee for gamers to compete on their platform. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me, Justin. So yeah, so we're going to start off. Tell us a little about your past esports and gaming experience. Yeah, so it's pretty short and sweet. Just like many others, I uh, played competitive video games or played video games casually. Uh, when I was in like middle school and high school and basically started playing on this website, Game Battles, which I'm sure a lot of people listening to the show had have at least heard of um, and basically just played Call of Duty all throughout high school, had a, uh, a YouTube channel where I was making content and basically wanted to become a pro gamer, whatever that meant back in like 2008, 2009. Um, so yeah, I was really just a person that's always been passionate about gaming and Went to some land tournaments, you know, like GameStop and some homegrown tournaments here in New Jersey, New York, but nothing too serious. And then basically went to college and stopped playing games um, because mainly a social life took over. And obviously, right, like real school world mixed hits in with and, that. Right. It's like real yeah. world hits. And maybe I don't want to play video games all day and night. Yeah, exactly. But when I graduated, um, there were a couple of years I, I lived in New York and really didn't play play many, many games. Because uh, obviously, like full time job and everything like that, but always stayed close to the gaming scene. Followed Twitch a lot and some of the growth there. And mainly during the pandemic, 
um, recently pa- uh, this past year or so um, sort of re-sparked my interest in gaming every night or most of the day. Um, and I started basically falling back in love with Call of Duty and Warzone. Um, I never really played some of the newer Call of Duties after sort of like Black Ops 1, Black Ops 2, because um, that was sort of around the time that I guess Modern Warfare 3 and uh, the, the rest of the games with the jetpacks and all that crazy shit started coming out. Um, and I was in college then. So really just re got into Call of Duty with Warzone and stuff like that and just started playing more aggressively then. Amazing. So how'd you kind of get into the business side of esports? Yeah. So like I said, I've always been passionate about gaming and I always knew that esports and gaming itself was sort of going to graduate in something bigger. And still today, I, I typically think that esports will be bigger than traditional sports, at least eventually, especially when you think about the international stage. I mean, there's not many opportunities, obviously, to get on a professional football team, basketball team, et cetera. So I think that gaming obviously provides way more of an opportunity because if you look at it, there's just tons of different titles you can obviously become a professional in or make some sort of living with, whether you're a content creator or something else. Um, So I always knew that I was going to try to get into some aspect of esports, whether it was to go work for a a team or something like that. But mainly during the pandemic, uh, Alex and I, my co-founder, we really wanted to start a company in 2020. We didn't necessarily know what it was going to be, but we just knew uh, we were tired of working for other people. And Alex and I initially met when we both worked at Skillshare. And uh, he was my first friend in New York. He actually interviewed and hired me uh, to join Skillshare. And then him and I left uh, and joined another startup together called Grailed, which is sort of like an e-commerce marketplace for Yeezys, Supreme, like men's luxury fashion, like that sort of stuff. So think of it like eBay, but just for like high-end luxury goods, traditionally in men's clothing, but they also have like a women's wear marketplace as well. But um, so we worked at two startups together and we, we sort of just became tired of working for other people. So we knew we wanted to join forces and team up and Mainly what happened during COVID is we started exploring different ideas. And what became really interesting to me was a lot of my friends who stopped playing video games started playing video games again, like many others. Um, But then we also started playing for money together. So we had a poker night where we were playing virtual poker. And then a lot of other people during the pandemic got the same idea. So those poker sites started crashing because of the influx of traffic. And we don't want to like lose out on like our hundred dollar game just because the site crashes. Like, how do you divide and conquer that money? Then, like, how do you decide who wins and who loses? So we were like, screw this. We're gonna start going and playing Call of Duty, Madden, FIFA for money because we know video games have figured out this like server reliability problem. And that's sort of when I had the idea for one v one me. Sort of my friends were doing it, and basically re sparked my interest back when I used to play game battles and. I was a top thousand or 2000 player on game battles and in call of duty, I think it was like in the top 500 at least. Um, and I still have my profile today and always knew that other sites out there existed that did wagering and did tournaments, but typically just thought there was still a lot of opportunity and a lot of things to do. So that's, that's mainly how we, I got started in the gaming or business side of the gaming world, just strictly with one V one me, but always knew I would sort of fall into it. Eventually it was just a matter of time. Awesome. So tell us a little about forming 1v1me. You know, what is it? How does it work? And, you know, what kind of makes it different from the other wagering platforms out there? 
Yeah. So 1v1Me fundamentally is an app where you can play someone else in a video game for money. So think about playing someone in Call of Duty for 10 bucks and whoever wins gets paid. Right now, we only support Call of Duty um, as far as Warzone, Cold War, and Modern Warfare. So we're just sticking to one side of like gaming. We don't support Madden, FIFA, or anything else, although we do have plans to obviously explore into other games. And right now, we also only support 1v1. So you playing head-to-head against someone else. But in the next three or four weeks, I would say, we're going to start supporting like 2v2, 3v3, 4v4, and that other aspect of team play. Um, so fundamentally, that <clears throat> that's just how it works. It's just an app where you can play someone else in a video game for money. Um, but uh, unlike a lot of the other competitors in the space, we don't actually charge a transaction fee. So typically, other players in the space will charge 10 to 20% on top. Uh, and we don't charge a fee at all, uh, not to do, not to actually play on play on the platform. And we just fundamentally believe, after talking to hundreds of customers, that why would you necessarily want to uh, uh, pay to play against someone you already know? So why would you want to take money off off the top if you already know the person you're going to play against? So it's more of like a friend's experience in that regard. But yeah, that's that's mainly like the nuance of the app. So is it really only for people that know each other or is there more of a, like, oh, you're on Twitter, we can kind of go? How does kind of the matching up system all work? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. So we have a component, obviously, where you can just come on the app and say what game you want to play for what amount of money. And that'll go into basically a queue uh, where you are searching for an opponent and someone else on the other side of the the marketplace can basically say, yeah, I want to play you for 10 bucks and play against you. And that might not be a person you already know, um, but we also have profiles and messaging and other very much like community, more social things that are built for uh, people you already know. So a lot of the content creators, for example, we're working with right now will go on their Twitch stream and say like, hey, who wants to play against me on 1v1me? And then they'll basically onboard their fans. So in that situation, obviously the fan already knows the creator and just kind of wants to play against them and obviously like stream to Twitch and build up an audience and stuff like that. But in terms of just the the randoms, it's just kind of like, is there a kind of rating system like eBay where it's like, oh, this guy welts or this guy is, you know, paid on his, you know, bets and wagers? Yep. Yep. So we don't have any sort of skill-based matchmaking algorithm right now. So we don't have the ability to tell you, hey, you shouldn't play against this person because they have like an 8.0 KD, as crazy as that might sound. Um, But uh, it is something that we're obviously cognizant of and planning on doing in the future. But it's really hard to support an algorithm of any matchmaking when you don't really have hundreds of or thousands of people on the platform, I would say, like in the most basic understanding. So right now it's sort of a free for all as far as like who can play against you. But uh, like I said, we go really deep on profiles and identity. So you will be able to see who you're going to be playing against. You will be able to see their record, how much they've already won on the platform. And you should have a pretty good idea on if you should play that person for five or 10 or even a dollar, right? So uh, it's basically up to you who you want to play against uh, as far as that's regard. But we give you all the information possible to make at least a more appropriate. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Three decision. Is there like a minimum, a maximum? How does that work? Yeah, so we you can play for as little as $1 and as at most $5,000 on one single wager. Um, I mean, a $5,000 wager would be pretty insane. It'd probably be awesome to watch. Uh, <laughs> right. So that would be pretty cool. And a really cool component about the app as well is that both people have to stream to Twitch in order to play. So uh, when you agree to play someone else, you both have to stream. And then you can even watch other people play in the app. So we hook right into Twitch and then we can show you like who's playing on the platform right now for what amount of money. And you could like tune in and find a new content. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions. And now they want to help you even more. With a Credit Karma money spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot, and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Open your FDIC-insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll automatically be entered to win $1 million. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to open your free account and start winning Instant Karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to sign up for free and start winning. That's creditkarma.com slash winmoney. Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. Creator that you like. So you're not allowed to engage in any wagers unless you have a Twitch stream active and that kind of link to it. Is that how it works? Yeah. So right now we only support Twitch. We don't support YouTube or Facebook gaming or anything like that. Uh, but basically you come in the app, you link your Twitch account. And then when you agree to play someone, whether it's someone you know or someone you don't know, both you both of you guys have to stream. Um, and that's what we do to basically protect you against cheaters or hackers or people that say they won and they really didn't. Uh, so we go the extra mile to make sure that both people on both sides of the table understand that someone's going to be watching, whether it's now or in the future, if there's an issue. Uh, and then a lot of the other security we have on the app basically make sure that, listen, you get one chance to really come on the platform. And if you sort of lie or cheat or do any of that, like you won't be allowed back. Is there some kind of do you have to save the the broadcast and the vods or how does that whole you know authentication system work? Yeah, so we pull the vods and basically if there's an issue for a dispute, that's when we'll, we'll pull them as evidence, and then our customer support team will basically review that 
uh, and use a bunch of different data that we have at our disposal to make like a more appropriate decision. Luckily, because of my background in competitive gaming and some of the teams, a lot of the nuances of a lot of different cheating strategies all the way down to fake proof on Photoshop, we we know a lot about just because we lived through it from all the way from 2010 up until now. Um, so we feel feel pretty confidently that not a lot can really get, get past us. Um, but a lot of the other stuff we do too is uh, we make sure that you can only get one chance at using our platform. So for example, right now, 1v1me is invite only in order to get in. So in order to get in, you need an invite code. A lot of the people that are getting invite codes right now are from your favorite content creator. Um, so uh, someone like Noisy Butters, for example, will do a Twitch stream and she'll give away invite codes to 1v1me on her Twitch stream. And that's how those fans will get onboarded. And then once you're onboarded in to the app, you have to sign in with Apple. So we use Apple sign-in. We don't use Facebook. We don't use Twitter. We don't use Google or any of that. And you can't use a custom email. So you have to actually use the email that's linked into your iPhone or uh, I guess iPod Touch if you're even using that now. Um, but basically, it's to make sure that, look, you're using the email account that's tied with your phone. And it's really hard for a person to obviously make another iCloud account. So we're really trying to protect people against uh, smurfers or people that want to make multiple accounts on 1v1me. So that's one thing we do. And then the next thing we do is we actually verify your identity. So you are who you say you are. A lot of other platforms in the space have actually used like PayPal or Bitcoin or whatever else to do actually transactions. What we do is the same thing that Robinhood does, which is you just have to link your bank account. So you come on 1v1me, you give us your name, your address, that that sort of information. So we know that you are like Justin, for example, uh, and you're like a real person. You don't have any experience on other platforms doing things like chargebacks or any other sort of fraud. Um, and you feel like by giving us this information, you trust us and we trust you sort of thing. And then after that, you would link your bank account uh, where that's what we'll use to actually pull your money to and from. So we don't make it easy for someone that wants to scam people or wants to cheat to obviously participate on 1v1me because they're probably going to feel uncomfortable giving us that sort of information, rightfully so. Uh, but on the flip side too, if you are willing to take the risk and cheat on our platform, it's kind of great for us in some regards because when we do catch you, which we will because we have a lot of information that allows us to do that besides just the Twitch evidence, uh, you're going to get banned and you won't be allowed back because obviously making a separate identity is very challenging to do. Um, so we go that extra mile because we believe trust in this community is really important. Uh, whether or not like Warzone is infected, uh, infested with hackers and whatever else is going on there is negligible to us because we feel like we could be a really trusted community where people can at least feel safe playing for money against people that they know are already vetted and trusted here. Interesting. So is it going to kind of stay as really this exclusive invite only community? I don't know if you're familiar with the Soho house, but like this idea yep. of like, you got to be authenticated by two people that we know and other members vouch for you. And it's kind of even what's on clubhouse where like, you know, you're kind of on the hook for who you invite. So if like someone you invite is being disruptive, they might take your access and your account away. And, you know, this is public knowledge. I think that some of these, you know, we call them social sanctions where it's like you are recommended by this person. These two other people vouch for you. So not only do you bring that yourself down, but you bring them down with you. 
I, I think so. Like, I think like, obviously at some point we're going to have to open up the floodgates, so to speak, and everyone's going to be allowed on the platform. But I think like, uh, Alex and I growing up in New York actually helped out a lot because if you live in New York, like similar to the Soho house, you know, that experience of waiting online on the club and other people are cutting you to get in. And you're always wondering like, how do they know someone? They know me. Let's be real. I I don't wait online. They know Justin. Exactly. And you always try to get that connect to get in. And our version of a connect is like a content creator, right? Like someone who has an audience that's going to want to onboard their fans to it. And uh, a lot of companies have to pay content creators, like whether it's two, 3000 bucks to use their product, shout it out, whatever. We've been working with content creators now and we'll, we'll give them a couple hundred bucks or whatever to do a sponsored stream for two to three hours. But what winds up happening afterwards is they kind of have this aha moment, which is like shit, like 1v1 me not only is invite only, but my community and my chat on Twitch is going nuts because they not only want the chance to play against me, but they also just want an invite code to the app and see what the hell is going on. Like, what is the app that I'm using to play for money? How does it work? What, like, why is she or he getting so excited about this? Right. So, and then the second or third time we work with them, we're not actually paying them. So a few content creators we've worked with already where we might've given like two, 300 bucks to, to use the app and do some sort of sponsored stream. Um, and they're pulling in like anywhere from 200 to 500 viewers. So, so nothing too insane, but still pretty, pretty substantial. And they're awesome to work with have actually realized that, Hey, it makes no sense for one V one me to kind of like keep paying me. Cause I just want to use this thing. I'll continue promoting this product, build up my fan base with it and sort of using, use it as like a bartering chip where like my create, uh, my fans feel more engaged with me and, uh, vice versa. And it's kind of a tool for creators ultimately like, yeah, you can make money and things like that. But again, because we don't take a fee, we're not really trying to build a waiter, uh, wagering business or like a sports betting or gambling business. We're actually just trying to build like a community. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Let's explain a little bit on that. So how could a gaming influencer, like, you know, a content creator or streamer really utilize the app? Yeah. So right now, content creators are basically going on Twitch uh, and doing what they already do, which is obviously streaming. And then they basically go to their audience and they'll say something like, hey, I'm going to be playing 1v1s against my fans. If you want to play against me, talk to a mod, get an invite code to 1v1 me, sign up and everything. And then you'll be basically in a queue for me to challenge you directly live on stream. Um, and because the app obviously requires both people to stream to Twitch, it sort of creates this audience extension opportunity where people that play against their favorite creator can then pull in fans and vice versa. Uh, but I think the idea is that with 1v1me, because you have a profile and things like that, content creators can actually leverage it in a, in a very unique way where they can bring in their fans, play against them, build up another reputation on 1v1me that they might also have on TikTok, YouTube, all these other social media platforms. And it actually becomes like a social network where wagering is the actual engagement opportunity. Um, So that's the way we're thinking about content creation right now, as far as how they bring in their fans and how they just play against their fans more easily. Um, And a lot of the times they might just be playing against their fans for free because you can not only play for money on the platform, but you can also play for free. So I think, uh, I think a lot of the experiences is just about forming a more structured way where fans can play against their favorite creator. And then also they extract that content at the end of the night or the next day, and obviously put that video on TikTok and YouTube and whatever. 
like it's really cool to say that you played your fan for a hundred bucks and you won or lost or whatever happened, right? It just makes for good content. Absolutely. I, you know, I definitely think that it's, you know, a very interesting engagement tool. And I know there's lots of different businesses that have, you know, kind of figured out these kind of things. But, you know, I know recently you guys had a wide coverage, you know, investment of pre-seed money from various entities, including Sterling VC, who we know is involved with Anbox and several gaming creators, including Noisy Butters. So tell us a little about that investment. How did it happen and who else is involved in it? Yeah, yeah. So, Back in November, December, we raised 750K after I joined the On Deck Fellowship, which is basically uh, like a 10-week program where you learn about startups and fundraising. And it's really a community of people that are honestly either trying to leave their full-time job, which is the boat I was in. Alex and I were working on 1v1B, but we were only working on it part-time. And I basically wanted to raise venture capital money in order to convince myself to obviously like quit my full-time job and do this thing. Um, and then the other side of the people that joined the fellowship are people that are already doing their startup full-time or already have having quit their full-time job and just sort of exploring what's next for them. So I was in a, a fellowship like that. And then during and after the fellowship, we basically raised 750K from a lot of the network that the fellowship brought along with us. Um, and we got some really, really awesome Silicon Valley type names like Village Global and Gell and Shrug and a couple other people that are great, like Anthony Pompliano and stuff like that, who's really involved in like the blockchain Bitcoin community. Um, and that was great and things were awesome. And Alex and I then basically scaled out a team of two other engineers that we have worked with in the past, Quentin and Steven, who came on full-time to help build out the actual app. Um, and we all were going full-time on it. And basically what sort of happened was after we raised the 750K, there was a lot of signal. Like you, when you raise m- money for, from your business and you r- raise money from the right people, it sort of sends, sends off this artificial signal, whether that's in the internet or whatever you call the Silicon Valley, like ecosystem of tech. Um, a lot of investors started finding out about the company, to be frank. And there was a lot of interest we were getting from for to basically give us more money, which is a great situation to be in, right? Like a lot of business owners might not ever get in the situation we were in. And we were basically sitting there having not even launched a product. Uh, so we didn't even launch 1v1. Maybe we had zero attraction and investors were saying, here, like, take my money, please. Um, which is an awesome situation to be in. But as a founder, you're like, damn, I don't want to kind of give away like 20 or 30% of my business uh, because we might not have even done that for the initial fundraise. And we felt like we were in a pretty good situation where like, hey, we have money in the bank. Like, why don't we just launch, get some numbers, and then the valuation of the company will obviously go up if everything goes well and these investors will still be able to uh, give us money or they'll still want to give us money, right? So basically what happened though was, there were other people that were like, hey, we, we want to give you money, but we're going to be extremely valuable to your business. We're not going to be the traditional Silicon Valley or New York or whatever sort of venture funding. We're going to be more strategic money, like Noisy Butters, for instance. She's a content creator with over a million subscribers on YouTube. Uh, obviously, like at a certain point, we're going to work with her uh, like with 1v1Me and she'll play wagers and stuff like that. Like That's a huge advantage to us. 
um, to not only meet other content creators, but she's amazing to work with. She definitely vibes with the vision. She plays one v ones. She understands like sort of my growth as a content creator back in 2008, 2009. Uh, like we vibed on so many different levels and fundamentally we both know why, uh, like it, it makes sense for her to be involved. Right. So it didn't really make much sense for us to take money from us, uh, another venture fund because we already had like 10, uh, venture funds around the table. Like what was the point of taking their money when we can take sort of money from someone who's way more strategic. Uh, and then that was a very some similar situation, uh, with Anbox, which obviously like is where the New York city subliners come from. Um, and it, it was a very basic, like similar conversation. Like, look, like they're obviously a pro esports team that matters in call of duty. Call of Duty is the game we want to go after. Uh, Rohit and I vibed on so many different levels uh, with what we were trying to do. I actually met him through one of my other investors, Ali Hamid, who uh, is part of Crossbeam. So uh, I, I think that a lot of things just made sense. So we wound up raising another $1.25 million, uh, on top of the seven fifty. So in total, we raised $2 million bucks. Uh, the first half of the money, or the first seven fifty, was obviously way more uh, Silicon Valley venture funding, whatever you want to call it from typical folks who invest in, uh, like startups, startups that aren't necessarily gaming companies either. A lot of the people that got involved had never invested in a gaming company before, um, which I think you'll find a lot, uh, soon, which is like, as esports and gaming expands, there's going to be a lot more companies out there that are building platforms and not just teams. So that was the first 750. And then the 1.25 was for like the more strategic, like, hey, we're involved with gaming. Like we got the co-founder of Zynga, Justin Waldron. Like he obviously like built one of the biggest businesses in gaming that exists today. Um, and he's on his way to make another like billion dollar business play co, uh, like arguably, obviously. So I think that uh, in, in a lot of different ways, like Anbox, Justin, Noisy Butters. We have Up North Talent, which reps a lot of the different YouTubers as far as like from NBA 2K down to Call of Duty and stuff like that. So I think with the 1.25, it was way more strategic. It's like, okay, like we're going to accept this money because these are going to be the people that are actually going to help people uh, get on the platform and like use it every day. Um, so that's what excited us about like raising more money. I would say like if you're a founder and you're thinking about raising money, um, try not to get wrapped up in the smoke and mirrors of raising four or five million bucks. We were in a very similar situation where that $2 million could have turned into four or five million bucks very easily. Uh, we decided to turn it down because at the end of the day, you're trying to build a business for yourself. Yeah, investors are a part of that. Um, but if people aren't using your platform, none of that really matters. So we thought about it more strategic, like how can we get the appropriate amount of money to not only extend our runway, but also really grow the company. So that's the way we started thinking about it. And that's basically what happened in the story there. Amazing. Well, you know, kudos to you. I'm very much impressed with, you know, the insight that you had and that you were able to kind of rally these really strategic players and influential people that, you know, I think it's a lesson to our listeners where it's like, you know, not all money is good money. You know, I think that's, you know, a point that you bring up that it's like, yeah, somebody may want to give you a lot, but if it's not the right situation, it's not the right partner, they're maybe not going to bring anything more than that. It might not necessarily be the right opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, there's people every day, like reaching out to me, um, investors and stuff like that. Uh, like we had an article written about us on business insider and TechCrunch, and 
when I was growing up, you know, it's awesome to get on TechCrunch. It's awesome to get on Business Insider. It's things that I wanted since I was 14 years old when I first started getting into tech. You know, you see all my friends that I've met either through the internet or in person have always gotten that big break. You know, they've sold their startup. They've gotten featured all over. And when building 1v1 me, like I sort of couldn't wait, like, damn, like now we just raised this money. We're going to get that TechCrunch or Business Insider article and stuff like that. And it was awesome, you know, but it's short term. Uh, it's like short-term success. It's almost like the article went out and I was sort of like, holy shit, what's next? Like, we got to build this fucking big business because at the end of the day, nothing, none of this is going to matter unless I build this really big company. Um, no one's going to care, right? Uh, and who cares about that? Is it investors and other people that are involved in tech? Like our customers, our audience aren't reading TechCrunch. I mean, maybe they are. Um, like we got a few gamers from it. But I would say like more of uh, the Silicon Valley venture world tech ecosystem is reading TechCrunch. So a lot of investors have started reaching out to us and they're like, hey, I want to hear about 1v1. We were interested in the betting, esports, gambling, gaming, whatever space. Um, and we've, we've actually stopped entertaining any conversations with investors moving forward. Like I don't take introduction, uh, introduction calls. Uh, I don't take anything uh, because we're in a situation where we have money in the bank. And uh, we just need to be heads down and build this big business. And then once the business is at a, at a point where we need more money or we have traction and have conviction on it, and it just really means getting more money, those offers on the table will still be there or those conversations and doors will still be open because no investor is going to turn you down if things are working, right? They're always looking to put money into things. And to go off what you said, not all money is good money definitely true. And like a lot of my situation is luck, circumstance, some hard work sprinkled in, but a lot of founders don't find themselves in a similar situation. And being a part of the On Deck Fellowship, I, I realized that I talk to founders every day, pretty much that are struggling to raise money. I try to help them as much as I possibly can. Uh, but I think a lot of this just comes down to really realizing who are the people around the table that can actually help you, realizing that at the end of the day, yes, these people are giving you money, uh, but are they really going to be that high value if they're not involved in the day-to-day of the business? And I truly believe that everyone that's surrounding us around the table with 1v1me, I know where each person stands with me. I know I can go to Anthony Pomp and be like, hey, Pomp, can we talk about this on the financial side of things or on the fundraising side of things? Like He's really good to talk to with that strategy. Hey, Cody and Cole from up north, can we talk about how I can do this influencer deal? Because they obviously manage an influencer pipeline of people already with their talent agency. So I think that understanding like why this person is going to not only give you money, yeah, getting 50, 100K, 600K from someone is awesome. Uh, but what's the actual value besides the check? Uh, because you can obviously get money from a lot of different places. Like, yeah, you could go to a bank and take out a loan for interest, but no one wants to do that. But you could, like, if you really didn't want to answer to someone, you could, right? So I think uh, that a lot of the people around the table now, I really love, I respect on so many different levels. But I think me having that honest conversation with them initially, which is like, yeah, it's great. You want to give me money. I'm very fortunate. But what's the actual value you're going to provide to me? And a lot of the times I put some people to work. Uh, for example, the guy Ali Hamid from Crossbeam, and I love the dude so much. He's been awesome. We had an honest conversation and I was like, dude, like we're not in a position where we really need this kind of money. Like, What can you really do for me? He's like, I'll start getting to work. And he introduced me to Rohit from Sterling. 
um, which is obviously a huge connection for me. They, they were like best buddies in, in New York. They used to hang out every day. Um, and he not only introduced me to him, he introduced me to a ton of other people. But I think when you have those honest conversations with investors and you're just like, listen, like, what can you do for me besides write the check? You're going to get surprised. I was surprised not only in good situations, like I think everyone on the cap table, which for new listeners who aren't familiar with uh, like how you raise money, the cap table is basically the collection of all the people that own equity in your company, typically investors. Um, I would say that everyone on the cap table has at least introduced me to someone else that's also wrote, wrote a check. Uh, for 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 example, so uh, that was sort of a thing that I I had as a qualification. So I would say that for other people that wanted to give me money, where I gave them a challenge of, hey, can you introduce me to this person, or can you show me how valuable you can be before we like sign a contract? You would be surprised by how many people wouldn't go that extra mile. And those are the types of people that I ran away from because they're not the people that you want to go to war building this business for the next five, six years. Like 1v1 might not work out, but at least I understand that like all the people around the table are going to understand that, respect that, know I'm going to go at it with my best effort. And that matters way much more than just getting money from someone who just really wants to throw it in and nothing else. Absolutely. So, you know, we're kind of bringing this towards the end. So what advice do you have for anyone trying to kind of work in the esports business or, you know, even just trying to raise funds for their company that they've started? Yeah, I would say esports is in this very exciting time where I think a lot of people have reopened their appetite for gaming and there's going to be a lot of cool things that come out of it. I think that the important thing to realize is that there's tons of different ways to get involved in esports besides becoming a pro gamer, a content creator, a streamer, or whatever. So a lot of kids right now and young adults are waking up and they're doing the Twitch thing and they're doing the YouTube content thing and it's awesome. And I definitely want them to go at it. Like I was a YouTube YouTuber too. But I would say that that's not the only way you can get involved in gaming. There's a ton of startups that are coming out now especially because of the pandemic, not just 1v1 me, but a lot of different tournament platforms, a lot of different things I've seen around like different ways to edit your videos and stuff like that. Um, so I would say that any advice for like people wanting to get into esports is uh, just look for other opportunities besides being a pro gamer. And if you want to be a pro gamer, that's awesome. Uh, but I hear it time and time again that people don't even know that like different esports businesses like 1v1me exist. Um, and it sort of reminds me of a time where I first started getting into like apps when I was like 14, 15 years old, when the iPhone first came out back in like 2008. And for a long time, people actually understood, which is crazy. They actually thought that like the apps on the app store were all made by Apple. Like they really thought that that was the thing. And no one really understood that like, as stupid as it sounds like Facebook or something else was like its own company. And it wasn't actually like manufactured by Apple or anything like that. And that, that was a lot of the conversations that I had with like my friends who were also in like middle school or high school and stuff at the time. So I think very similarly, I talked to like my little cousin now who play Fortnite and call of duty. And they're basically like, Oh, you like your app, like, Oh, you're like working with call of duty. Like they made it or like Fortnite made it. Or like my little cousin who is a YouTuber, he's like not really understanding that like, hey, there's like websites you can go on and you can make a living in esports other than just doing Twitch or YouTube. 
So I, I think it's going to be a really exciting time for people because companies like 1v1me and others are going to form and start hiring people, not only engineers and designers, but video content editors and stuff like that. Um, like a media side of the business is going to be very huge for 1v1me. And I hope we have a world where I have five or six video editors and five or six content creators and our own content team and shit like that. Like that's the kind of stuff that excites me a lot. Um, not just like the typical startup stuff, which is like engineers, designers and stuff. Those are the people that matter a ton because they're going to grow the platform. But I think what really excites me about it is how can we create more opportunities in esports in different ways that aren't just on like these pro teams. And then I would think the fundraising advice is basically what I said, like not all money is great money uh, and just realize why you want to raise money, what you want to raise the money for. How long is that money going to actually last you? Typically, it should last you 18 to 24 months very comfortably. And I think a lot of people go at it with like, hey, I just want to raise 500K because it seems like it's going to be easy to do. But will that 500K actually last you 18 to 24 months? Will it actually get you three or four engineers? So I think through thinking about the strategy of the fundraise is way more important than thinking through like what's just going to be the easiest way to get things done. So yeah. Okay, so that's some good advice. So what's your favorite part about working in the esports and gaming world? I would say that like esports and gaming aside, I'm like mostly excited about just working on my own thing every day. I'm truly excited about working on 1v1 me and just working for myself. Like it's something that I've wanted from a very young age. So I think like just finally getting the opportunity to do that is obviously very exciting to me. And I know Alex and the rest of the team definitely feel the same way. Uh, And then Esports and gaming is just like working with content creators every day is awesome. Like, honestly, like we did a sponsored stream last night uh, with two female content creators. They're amazing to work with. Um, And uh, basically, like, there were a ton of smiles in the stream. They were 360ing different fans coming on the app, they were going nuts. Like, it's just amazing to see 1v1 me not only being used, but being used. in in order to engage with like the fans and the audiences and actually create like smiles is way, way more valuable to me. So I would say that I'm really excited for the future, mostly because I'm excited to see like what content creators are going to use this. What are the experiences going to be like? How is it going to change someone's life in that regard? Like the chats go way, way more different than I've ever seen. So I think that like when we have people like Steffi Evans and Eleni and other content creators come on the platform and uh, it's going to be really cool to see what those Twitch experiences are like or those other other streaming experiences are like. So I'm just excited to work with more content creators and actually create a different content creators because of 1v1me. Awesome. So what's like the future of 1v1me? Where is it going from here? Yeah, it's a great question. So right now we're really just focused on the core, which is just like how can we create this really great experience of people playing against others for money? in their favorite games and specifically just focused on call of duty. Um, but long-term we really are painting a vision for just helping people make a living in gaming more easily. Like right now it's really hard for someone to make a living in gaming. How can we make this marketplace where if you're good at the game or you're not good at the game, how can you still make money? And what are the different opportunities for you as you grow up and you want to graduate into the other aspects of competitive gaming? So uh, really just focused on, creating an experience where people can play for money today. But in the future, we're definitely going to paint more of a vision around helping people make a living from gaming.
Well, yeah, you know, I like to kind of end each episode with my three questions. So, you know, what's your favorite game to watch? Oh, Warzone for sure. Um, yeah, I like watching Aiden, who's obviously a part of the Anbox family now, which is great. Um, but yeah, I, I mainly watch Warzone and I'll watch a bit of FIFA here and there too. Okay, so what about your favorite game to play? <laughs> Still Warzone. I only really play Warzone and FIFA. I started getting back into NBA 2K and I'm waiting for MLB The Show to come out. But mainly, I have always just stick to the Call of Duty franchise. And I, I've been playing FIFA a, a bunch too. But those are the main two games I play. Okay, you know, I'm a big 2K fan, so I'm definitely all about that. And, you know, so what's your favorite video game character? You know, Mario, Luigi, Pikachu? Oh, that's that's a good question, actually. Favorite video game character? Hmm. I want. I want to. I want to say Sonic, um, but I. I also do like Pikachu too. I hate to use your example. No, but. I mean, I, I. Those are both great choices. You know, pretty iconic. We got the you know Sonic the the Hedgehog and Pikachu the Ultimate Pokemon. So we kind of got all our bases <laughs> in order. Pokemon, right? He's just like everyone knows him. If it's like, what is Pokemon? Everyone's mind is like, oh, Pikachu. Oh, I do like Ness too. Now that I've actually thought about it, I just always thought he he's looked pretty cool with the freaking backpack and baseball bat and shit. And I was a big base, uh, big baseball player growing up. So you got to respect him. Okay. Well, yo, you know, thank you so much for joining. This was extremely insightful. So tell everybody where they can find you. Yeah, you could find me on Twitter. Um, at Anthony Geronio. Um, and that that's that's mainly it. And then our website for one v one me is just one v one me dot com. Awesome. So, you know, thanks everybody again for tuning in and make sure to check out the app and try to find your favorite streamer using it. So you might get one of these golden ticket or prestigious invite codes that we've been hearing about. And make sure everyone follow me on Twitter, Justin J-E-S-Q, and check Apple Podcasts for all our past episodes. For the ones who get going when the going gets tough. And the ones who know we're tougher together. For the pathfinders breaking new ground. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as fast access to experts and 24-7 customer support. Because we know you have people depending on you. So you can always depend on us. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, books, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart if you sell online, schedule package pickups through the dashboard, and automatically see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers with rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are, even on the go. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other business decision makers with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.